thank you for joining us for Love That VoiceOver. In-depth interviews unveiling the personality and projects behind the mic with none other than your chic geek, perfectly different host, Love That Rebecca. Hello there, you chic geeks of VO. This is segment 3B of four cool segments with J.S. Gilbert. Segment 3 is called VoiceOver is not just games. Duh. And so I, I enjoy being tasked with having to go in and create characters for video games and um, and, and as well as, as being able to do anime. I, I love doing anime or any kind of animation. Right, right. I also do a lot of um, I do a lot of sound alike work or characters I'm asked to develop that sound like other people. So, you know, of course, lately it's been a lot of Morgan Freeman type stuff. <laughs> I was in a picture with a dolphin and I don't know if you saw the movie or not, but <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway, amazing um, how they really, you know, they want a Morgan Freeman type. They want a Jack Nicholson type. They want a Lindsay Lohan type. I don't know if they ask for that. But. Yeah. So sometimes what that means, it just means that you know, understand sort of that, that actor, maybe it means young and sassy, or maybe it means, you know, extremely credible and easy to listen to. Um, and that might be a mistake that people have. If they're looking for a, uh, you know, a Jack Nicholson type, that doesn't necessarily mean they want an impersonation of Jack Nicholson. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of understanding, being able to sit down and say, well, what, what traits does this person have right. and, and trying to break it down. And and it it could mean this uh, uh, totally different things to two different people. I, I had a uh, I remember early on I was doing a um, some voice work for an animation, and the guy who was directing me kept saying he wanted my character bigger, 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 bigger. And then finally, um, when uh, we had to break, and he said I wasn't giving him what he wanted, he showed me a picture, and the character was like five hundred pounds. I said, "You don't want him bigger. You want him fatter." <laughs> and to me in doing a character voice there is a definite distinction between the two so yeah an attitude it's a, a different physicality for the voice actor right well but not only that you know a 500 pound actor has to gasp for air right they, they, that's they what i'm saying there's a physicality exactly so there's a labor so if you're actually going to be playing this character you know, how do you reach into the depths of it? And, and it's, I, I listen to a lot of character demos that people have. I'm not saying mine's the greatest thing in the world, but um, there's a difference between being able to just do voices and being able to do rich and deliver, you know, uh, uh, deliberate characters. Right. Now, you mentioned, I think somewhere I read, you keep fresh by taking active classes, improv, maybe. What are you doing these days to stay you know, with that muscle, keeping it in shape. Uh, what's happening among a lot of the local actors that I work with is the same sort of, I'm tired of being in a vacuum. So we're looking for excuses to get together and play. And so I'm starting a, um, uh, among a few actor friends that I have, we're going to be doing uh, an improv on the mic kind of thing, which is something that I did um, also a couple of years ago. And it's just coming here with no real agenda and trying to see what develops, what really happens. And, oh, you're uh, going to have then, say, a couple of people behind the mic at once? It could be two people. It could be six people. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's whatever kind of works out of, the, out of the session. And that's to be physically present in the same room. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great. That's terrific. So there's that. Um, a lot of other things that I've been doing where, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of actors that are trying to get into voiceover or uh, I shouldn't say actors. I work with a lot of people who are trying to get into voiceover. I work with people who are in voiceover now and are finding their stymied or stuck or whatever. So I feel that that does a lot of connecting for me, um, dealing with these people, listening to their problems and so forth. Right. I, I still, you know, I, I hang out with a lot of people that are involved in, in gaming. I'm on a, 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 a bunch of different um, committees for, for, for things, including gang, the game, game air, uh, game audio network guild has a committee called the voice actors coalition, which I'm on. And so oh. we, we have regular, um, uh, meetings where we, we talk about things that are, um, uh, affect, uh, the dialogue recording and actors in the gaming world. We're trying to come up with some sort of white papers on certain aspects of dialogue recording. And the people who are involved in this are incredible. I'm, uh, people from, uh, all the major, uh, uh, game companies and, uh, uh, it's just, it's really a great group of people. I also am on, uh, uh boards for, uh, uh, some of the schools that teach, uh, uh, production uh the teach uh, advertising degree program so i get to go talk to the kids oh that's cool it's a way of giving back i go uh to a bunch of different schools when they have their career days and i get to talk about what i do and relate to them and um i bet they're thrilled that's exciting a little bit of show business yeah, I still uh, I still go occasionally to that Saturday um, improv workshop. It's just other things seem to pop up and the weekends become a little more precious to me. So I don't go as much as I'd like to. Um, you know, I, I still do a lot of the kind of stuff that I used to do when I was just a kind of kook. Like what? Uh, you know, entertain my friends. I watch TV with the with the sound off sometimes and provide the voices <laughs> for the characters on the TV. Um, Wonderful. You know, things of that nature. So it's, it's, uh, um, you know, a lot. Are you still of, selling things on the beach? No. Illegally? No, I, I no longer <laughs> sell sodas on the beach. I gave that up many, many years ago, but. I'm glad. Although it could be entertaining for you to do it now. <laughs> I don't let me I jump to, let me. I don't have the back for it. I don't okay. Or the abs. I, okay. had, I had like six pack abs then. I think that, that helped me sell the sodas. <laughs> you got the girls thirsty. <laughs> plus, plus, I sold, I sold Tab and Fresca. Oh, I, I don't mean to oh date myself. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, so I had diet sodas. Nobody else had diet sodas. <laughs> um, well, I want to keep us moving along real quick, but I wanted sure. to ask a question: Is there any difference that you can describe, maybe not, between doing um, a PlayStation game voiceover work and an online game voiceover work? Or is it all pretty much the same? Well, I, I'm, there's a lot of different genres. Casual games, which are things that I've done like um, Sam and Max or The Bone or uh, some of the, the Zynga games, things of that nature, um, iPhone games, things like that. They're, they're called casual games because they don't necessarily get hardcore gamers. A lot of these games are played, um, meant to be played just in a few hours. They're looking for a sort of different um, uh, uh, demographic right. in terms of a game player. And then there's puzzle games. And then there's games that are you know designed for kids. So it's really based on that more so than whether it's online or not. What's cool about uh, online games, though, is you get to do things that are like taunts, uh, which <laughs> aren't in a lot of games. So that is cool. You know, you're, 
you're playing against other players, so uh, your character gets to say nasty things to them, and they can say nasty things back. <laughs> but also, the online games uh, continue to develop other levels. So, for example, with Lotro, Lord of the Rings Online, uh, they bring me in every couple of months or so to do different character voices. I get to be this really cool dragon, and <laughs> I get to be elves and dwarfs and all kinds of things. And these are for... Uh, um, you know, probably 90% of the people that are playing Lotro will never hear me. Huh. These are for hardcore gamers that have gotten to the high, high levels, and they continue to churn out new challenges for them I see. and introduce them on a regular basis so these people can still play the game. I see. But for you as a voice actor, it's relatively similar to whether or not, you know, it's the, the voice work itself doesn't really change um, between games online or games in a PlayStation no, machine. They fall into different, again, different categories. Right. How realistic do you want these characters to sound? Do you want them to sound like guys in a movie? Do you want them to sound more cartoony? How do you, you know, how do you want me? And and that has a lot to do, again, with the genre of the game, the type of game, and so forth. The the Zynga games, the the casual games, those types of things, um, they, they tend to use less audio. Um, they tend to be a little less complicated. They're they the some of the some of the really complex games that are out there uh, are designed to be played on very very heavy duty computer systems. So there are people out there that are probably playing casual games and Zynga games, and they couldn't even play some of the newer games that are coming out because this demands mm. you have to have a certain graphics card, you have to have a huge amount of memory, those kinds of things in order to play them properly. <laughs> wow. Well. Um <laughs> Excellent. In fact, gaming probably has had more to do with driving the uh, developments in technology in terms of audio and video in the computer world more than just about any other applications. This is true. I'm, I'm uh, trying to stay up on all tech trends, and I hear a lot about that. And that and the Internet itself, the two combined, are really pushing technology. Yeah. Um, I want to start moving forward into a different category. Sure. I have one business question that, based on some comments you've made, I think would be interesting to know. You've mentioned that you didn't get an agent until the 90s when you were really much more involved in voiceover. I wanted to ask you a question about agents in today's world now that we have the Internet and everything. It's not about any particular agent, but more, um, we all know that agents provide opportunities. This is a quote I got from you. What that means is they give you an opportunity. They bring you auditions. But what I'm really interested in is you said that you have multiple agents, and I know many voiceover artists that have multiple agents. Why do you want to have multiple agents, and how does it work for sending them uh, work when you didn't have an agent representing you on work that came to you, or is that still an issue? Those are two questions. I hope I'm not doing too much at once. Yeah, well, well, let's kind of deal with that. Again, it's it's not something where I woke up one morning and said, you know, oh, this is this is you know uh, um, uh, a strategy. It's kind of how uh, sort of I've watched the market, seen other people work, and realized that was something that I needed to do. So. In in what I one of the things I have here is an ISDN line, and because I have an ISDN line here, it means that if I have a New York agent and that New York agent books me into a job, the client in New York can hire me to do the job, and he does not have to pay for another studio in San Francisco that has an ISDN line. Right. And that's very important because as a as a person who hires talent, my question is, 
Why do I want to hire somebody in San Francisco that I'm going to have to pay an extra four or 500 bucks for a studio for when I can hire somebody here? That comes to me. And so there's one studio, one location, right? Yeah, but the so, question is, why do you have multiple agents? So why do you well, have multiple agents? There are a certain amount of opportunities that are going to be given to my San Francisco agent. Certain opportunities will be given to an LA agent. Certain opportunities will be given to a New York agent or and certain uh, an different. Agent in, so you do you do see not overlapping, but but very different opportunities. The 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 major overlap that I see is um, uh, when either a a casting director is spreading a really wide net. Um, which just happened when they were casting for uh, Fred Flintstone. So I had, you know, I, I, I wound up getting sent a script asking me if I could impersonate Fred Flintstone. And that came from like about seven or eight different sources. Got it. That doesn't happen too often. That's once in a blue moon. Hmm. And then voicebank.net, which is a clearinghouse for uh, people who want to have multiple agencies uh, uh, present uh, auditions. Occasionally, there's an overlap on that. And, um, you know, I'm not going to give people an, uh, my take on how that should be handled or whatever. I will just say this. If you have two agents and they each send you the same script, do not do two auditions. Right, right. So you do not want to do that. You want to audition generally audition for the person for the uh, one that came in first. That's generally the best way to do it. But in terms of anyway. having an agent, then um, do you feel that it's uh a critical aspect of your voiceover business? Again, it, 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 my personal business, yeah, it's, it's, it's paramount. Um, most of the opportunities that I have that pay me well, that, that are decent opportunities, come through one of my agents. Also, um, as the guy who is the fun-loving, great voice talent to work with, I don't want to also be the guy who has to tell you what my value is and and have to haggle with you over price right. and then has to bill you and then maybe have to deal with collecting from you. Right, right. Much easier to not know. That's really <laughs> not fun. It is more than worth it to pay my agents the 10 or 20% or whatever the heck it might be in order for them to go out there and 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 to deal with that aspect of it. It just... It just makes good sense. Right. Now, that's my personal business. And then other people that are coming into the industry now or maybe have been in for years, you know, you, you kind of, I think it's a mistake to sit down and say, oh, okay, that's what, send me, I, I want to find, this happens all the time. I want to find a rate sheet. Where's a rate sheet? Well, <laughs> you know, what, what is the rate sheet? It, 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 you don't know how much it's going to cost you to be in business. You don't, you know. Uh, if I can, if I can record something in 20 minutes, you know, do I get paid the same amount as say somebody else who might have to take two hours to record that? There are just too many variables that come into play in order to be able to, you know, to say, this is the rate sheet. And so I think people need to sit down and, and, and they don't, you sit down. Do you know how much it costs you to pay your bills? And do you have an idea as to how much extra money you're going to have to outlay because you're in, involved in a, in a business now, in a voiceover exactly. business? Exactly. It's, again, that same problem of show business and keeping the yeah. idea that it is a business you're running. I, I think if anybody bothered to stop and do this, they would realize that it never makes good sense to do a job. I mean, even if it's two words for 25 bucks. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't, it, it, there's just so many things out there that just 
people are doing and they're not, they don't, it doesn't make sense, but I can understand it. I have to say though, the first real, real job that I got in and I, and I, I was, uh, you know, had been in business. I was a guy that I was a go-to guy. I was a problem solver. I was a hatchet man. (laughs) I knew business and I got asked, somebody hunted me down when I was doing those spots for the, uh, the concert lines and, and uh, they hunted me down through the radio and they asked me to come in and, and do a job. And I was like a, a deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> I I did everything but what they asked me to do. I imp- tried to impress them with all these voices. I think I even followed the producer into the bathroom at one point. <laughs> and and I was not somebody who was like a young naive kid. You know, that's I knew better. But you get bit by the acting bug, and sometimes know? reason flies out the window in those moments. Ben Franklin used to, you know, the Ben Franklin thing. You'd say put down a line down the middle of the page and one across the top and on one side, write the word yes. And on the other side, write the word no and put all the reasons she could think of. Yes. On one side and all the reasons she could think of no on the other side, because we allow our emotions and we allow all these other things to cloud our judgments. We allow all the voice acting teachers out there who start off their introductory classes by, Hey, do you want to learn how to make the big bucks? And, well, that's why I say I, I really felt like when I got into this industry and a lot of other people got into this industry, there was sort of an organic approach. And certainly people are doing that now. But I think there are also a lot of people that are just, you know, they're just fish that are getting baited and hooked. Yeah. And that's that's a problem. And that's another discussion, really, with yeah, regard to the acting time. community in general, because when I lived in L.A. for a few years more recently, I saw that there's a whole industry that's a separate industry feeding off of people who want to do something and aren't there yet and purporting to educate them and prepare them for that. Some of them are legitimate, but I'm just saying that that's a huge industry and it's in voiceover too. And that's a good point that you make. Yeah. That's why people just have to understand all of the responsibility, the increased responsibility that they're taking on when they make these decisions. For themselves and their family, if they have one. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't. They 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 look at it as as being a much uh, lighter decision or, you know, it's it's just this. Uh, I, I spoke to somebody recently who I think is indicative of a lot of people that are getting into voiceover. You know, the, the online community is very embracing and the, I call them the lollipop and unicorn brigade. And it's like, you know, jump on in. The water's fine. But um I, I don't really see it that way. I do not see a, the bulk of people right now that are getting into voiceover as individuals who are looking to chase a dream. I look at these as people who have been impacted by the bad economy, by the bad uh, job market, and by so many of those factors. And I look at it as people who are running away from a nightmare mm. and they think that voiceover is going to be salvation. And those are the people who really need to be very, very careful. Very. Very. So that's it. I'll get off the soapbox now. (laughs) This is the end of segment 3B. Tune in next week for segment 4 or go to the archives. You've been listening to Love That Voiceover, brought to you by your host, Love That Rebecca.